Oh, I should just yes. uh, mute myself, right? Yes, show is starting now. Hello, and welcome to Indiepocalypse Radio. I am your host for another week. Uh, I'm Andrew. I uh, create Indiepocalypse. It's the it's the, the, the place that people go to be uh, about indie games. It's the best way I've certainly ever described it. Um, today, believe it or not, we have... No game developers. What do you need game developers for? Never. Get them out of here. What are they good for? Making games? Who needs video games? They. Was a video game ever done for anybody? I don't know. Besides, waste all of our time. Uh, speaking of uh, video games, though, our first guest writes about video games sometimes. Uh talks about them perhaps thinks about video games um you may know from oh no i forgot to put in your you may know uh, having read their work on places like metro uk vice you're a gaming pc gaming fan uh, 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 for a second there i stopped i was like are the how many of these websites are still around <laughs> um, but so but Could I introduce myself? I will introduce. Yeah, it, it's Matteo. Oh, I forgot to. Uh, Lupetti? Lupetti? Yeah, yeah. Matteo Lupetti, yes. Lupetti. Okay, yes. I was like, I got to hit those. Is that a situation where I also need to hit those double T's? Yes. Yeah, I know. They are deadlies. No, no. I listen, for, As opposed to the double R's in Spanish, which I just cannot, for the life of me, do. Uh, double T's, I understand. It doesn't require uh, tongue stuff, but so yeah, I'm a game critic and yes. I write uh, mostly for Italian magazines. Like we have a communist newspaper that's called uh, Il Manifesto, and I have an indie column, an ultra indie column there. And then I, I write for the Italian edition of Vice, uh, for uh, Art Tribune. It's uh, one of the leading Italian art outlets. Yeah. Um, so on. And then I write for you know, some US, UK website outlets like Eurogamer. I've written for Funbyte. Basically, uh, 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 like within within Italy, uh, more columnist work within without within the US, the freelancer lifestyle of just whatever yeah. will take you, yeah, kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mostly write columns in, uh, in Italy, but it, it, it's not even the, the main. The main difference is that in Italy, I write for you know newspapers, uh, mainstream outlets, and so on. I yeah. don't do not write for video game outlets. Right, in Italy. right. In Italy, I've <laughs> never written for a video game outlet in Italy. Never. Um, I only write for video game outlets um, abroad. It's not a choice. It just happened. Right, right. There's how many are there really? that are just like not branches of other just like U.S.-based sites. So really, I mean, actual Italian outlets, video game outlets. Yeah. So we have mostly, uh, I'd say, three different uh, outlets. There are uh, multiplayer. Uh, dot it uh, dot it uh, it's the main Italian video game outlet. Uh, 
then there's every eye, uh, and then Spazio Games. So those are the three main Italian video game authors that are actually Italian. Then we have we have IGN. We used to have uh, Eurogamer. Now we don't have it anymore. Um, and we have uh, Tom's Hardware, but those are the most important ones. Right. But yeah. I mean, they're small. Uh, for uh, <laughs> from your point of view, they're very small. Right, right. There is, yeah. That's the the, the thing about like, uh, you know, that's the uh, like what it, what is the focus? Uh, like especially like once you go outside, the U.S. can be kind of uh, great at exporting culture. Sometimes they're bad at importing culture. Uh, because they're like, oh, we've got everything we have. And it's like, well, there are other uh, things that you could try as well, but. You know, it doesn't always go the other way. But uh, speaking of um, exporting, importing, uh, international, there we go. Speaking of international video game culture, this is a, a question that I don't know. I got to ask you once per show of someone. Um, now, I know this might also have a very obvious answer, but uh, having covered uh indie apocalypse in the art tribune how did you hear about indie apocalypse oh so yeah i think it was uh, on twitter okay. probably yeah it was probably on twitter it's how i i know about uh, almost everything okay i didn't it was one of those things where i did not it's my uh you know informal survey where i need to know hey how do i get how do people actually get to learn about this thing? You know, I need to. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it was Twitter. I, I of course, I, I do not remember who, who retweeted in the in the apocalypse, but I've, I've followed it uh, probably since the beginning. Yeah, so that is. I'm asking you to <laughs> go to cast your mind back three years and remember. What, yeah, yeah. What random yeah. tweet you saw? Three. Yeah, I have no idea at this moment, but yeah, yeah Twitter. I'm, I'm sure it was Twitter. So, so it, it's, and you know that that's why I stick around because nothing else is quite as effective as just like a very loud megaphone for your stuff in the way Twitter is. Yeah, but I think probably from you know, from the U.S. point of view, it's not clear how much uh, people like me live abroad we're not part of a, you know and our job is quite uh, you know as a solo job yeah. really. so i i'm not part of a staff i'm not part of uh, um, an outlet i must um, i must work as a freelance i freelance in italy yes i i, I write a couple of columns but at the end of the day it's and my editor in chief so it maybe it's not clear how much stuff i i discovered how much i learned through twitter how much people i was able to know and meet it was really important right because there is you know the, the the good thing about the online uh, equalizer in a way is that you know you don't have to travel to san francisco <laughs> to to meet all these people to get in the same room theoretically as you know editors and chiefs of different outlets you can just... yeah yeah it's, yeah so it, it's terrible i know it's 
I agree it's the the hellscape uh, people say it is uh, I agree with it but at the same time uh, we are really uh, losing something right right there's so much I have you know I, I have a giant list of 600 artists and that I have for covers and that's all called from Twitter because it's just easy to do that you just you know you look at you scroll around on a portfolio day and then you find like 12 more people and then you go through that 600 and that's how it's easy for it to find other people you know yeah but for example i, I used to have i i hope i restart it but i used to have um in-game photography virtual photography column yeah um and everything was basically i Everything I browse, everyone I discover, I found out about, every was on Twitter. That was my main platform. Uh, I tried to use, for example, uh, Flickr. I, I, I don't know how it's pronounced in English. We pronounce it Flickr, the, the, the photo platform. Yeah. Um, but it, it's not the same. It doesn't work so well because in, in on Twitter, you find, you know, the community, then they retweet each other. So you, you can explore, then you say, well, I like this artist. Who is, who are they following? So you look at their follow, uh, the, the people they follow. So you, you, find, you find out about more people. It, it's, it really works for, yeah, I... for this kind of... I come across a lot of people uh, just like that. They like my, like someone will like something and I'm like, Oh, let me check out who this person is. who liked an indie apocalypse tweet. And then I will go down there, like check out their work and then all sorts of things from there. And all it is, all they did was it, they said they liked my thing. Like, that yeah, was... yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm really sad. Uh, okay. It's vibe maybe. Yeah, it's it's strange. I think it'll probably just get uh, worse, and <laughs> but uh, it's very strange for someone who like I. Whenever I see someone say like, uh, "Check out new so and so Twitter alternative," I feel like that's for people who are are content creators, so they want to go create content somewhere else. But I don't care to create content. I just want to marketing yeah for example we have a very good uh, italian video game server on mastodon yeah because uh, a content an italian content creator but he's a um, fabulous person is he, uh, a musician a musician and a translator um is a fabio bortolotti in orbit um is a chiptune musician and he created a Mastodon server that's called the Livello Segreto. It's just the Italian for um, secret level. Yeah. And I love it. It's a wonderful community, but the, 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 its main point is that, of course, it's small. It works because it's a small community, uh, very regulated and so on. It, it's not Twitter. Yeah, that is. Uh, and I have kind of like a, a take effectiveness from there is effectiveness to small communities and but it's also uh, I very much want <laughs> the loud the big platform to yell from 
And I, it, that's my tr- that's my trickiness with Mastodon, where it's I don't know like, because in my mind they're like forums basically. They're like a bunch of interconnected forums, and I feel like you need to be more uh, involved. So like it feels weird to like join one to just be like I'm just gonna post advertisements once a month, and that's all I'm going to do here, because I'm busy, and. I don't yeah, yeah. socialize much anyway. So, yeah, I don't think it, it it would work for you. Yeah, yeah. It's like, that's just not how I like to... This is how I uh, like to socialize generally, is I create a radio show as an excuse to talk to people. <laughs> Have you tried the TikTok? I don't like... Um, <sighs> TikTok irritates TikTok. me. Just the, just the <laughs> vibe of TikTok irritates me something about it it's just like whenever i see someone post uh like them advertising their stuff on tiktok it's like i never want to act like this uh it feels it'd be weird because yeah. you know you have this um, underground vibe yes. for uh, in the apocalypse and tiktok sounds so uh, i don't know so mainstream so yes. pop and there is such a like a TikTok way of talking that I just don't like. I, I, I have no idea how TikTok looks like because uh, I, I have TikTok, but I uh, mostly follow one content creator and he only talks about uh, um, Bible and Bible studies. So yeah. I only follow Bible studies there. No, I don't. I don't use it at all because whenever I see one, <laughs> I'm like, I hate these things. Uh and this is what people are taking off the site willingly. No, they're not all bad. That's a lie. They're not all bad. Sometimes you look at it and go, ah, yes. I remember what Vine was, and it was good. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's too, it's, it feels like it's too uh, commercial. It feels, TikTok feels very insincere. Uh, I'm not even sure about it, but of yeah. course, there's a, a content creator culture yes. uh, at the end of the day. I mean, you are. You're representing. Uh, you, are, you, are, you have an online persona. You are, you are somehow playing that role, uh, and it actually works. The way it's marketing. It's another right. way of marketing. You know, you are a personal brand. Yeah, and I, so <laughs> maybe I'm just exhausted about the idea that we all need to have personal brands. Yeah, I completely hate it. But, uh, but for example, in Italy, it's yeah. very difficult for um, Italian people uh, who work as a video game journalists, uh, critics, and so on. Because our our wages are way smaller, way lower than what you have uh, abroad. That's right. For example, why I love writing for, you know, <laughs> English uh, websites because they pay a lot more. Yes. Uh, just to explain, uh, 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 I mean that only the most, uh, the biggest uh, Italian website pay something around um, fifty euros. That's something like $50 a piece, and that's right. the most. Yeah, that is like a little, up. a little over 50 and, that, and I imagine that's for like full, full-on features, like full, full... full. Yeah, 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 I mean, uh, <laughs> a, a full review, eight, yeah. 80 hours of game, then the review, and it's 50 euros, and that's <laughs> the most you can not obtain e- in Italy. Not even enough to cover the cost of the game. No, okay, of course, they, they give you the game oh, themselves. Okay. But okay. I mean, so that's why it's low. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but a lot of yeah, a lot of people just work for that. I mean, yeah. they receive the game for free, and 
they have to play it, but they say, okay, but I, I received the game for free, but it's it's 50 euros, but I mean, it's the most, it's something like it's website, Italian website can pay 10, 20 euros a piece. Right. right. Um, yeah, it's I've, very low. That's I've, why I don't buy like, a video game outlet. Yeah. yeah, I've been looking into thinking about, like, uh, uh, I have to look at cost because I want to start. I'm At this point, like, everything i i made in apocalypse because i didn't think there was a place where someone would give me money for making small games but now i'm, I'm reaching the point where well if nobody's going to keep writing about into apocalypse i'm going to start paying people paying people to start writing about into apocalypse oh yes i, I saw it i'm i'm here i'm available yes yes i'm going to open probably i'm going to double check with someone else next week and be like what sounds like a not ripoff rate uh for a small publication even though i'm not a real publication uh, I just want people to write about different uh, developers, and then yeah. yeah. I... But uh, so sorry, I was in the middle of. A, um, yeah. I, I was trying, what I was trying to say is that uh, so since it's so difficult to work, at, you know, as a video game critic and video game journalist in Italy, everyone yeah. is turning into a content creator here. Right, right. So everyone, you know, they maybe they work for a major public. Uh, um, outlet, a magazine, and so on. But at the same time, they have their own brand, their own content creator brand, and uh, and they work for, for it. And I mean, it's fine. Of course, everyone should do what they can in order to survive. But it's really difficult. It's totally not for me. I have no idea how I can survive in this climate because it's, I, I'm actually not interested in branding myself. Right, right. <laughs> do my secret of just get a job at an office <laughs> that's my secret technique get a job in in manufacturing is what i did uh, yeah but a, a lot of people do it that way I, yeah. I i just like to i mean to do it as a job do it every day all day long i mean that's what i do all day long at the moment right. but it, it, it's crazy how much the difficulties of uh, you know just trying to write about video games uh, yeah but uh, I, I must admit uh, journalism and all cultural jobs are quite uh, difficult in italy yeah it's sad to say but it's generally the situation it, it, it's way uh, you know it's your problem is way more spread than only in the video game industry Right, and it's like it's it's not great in the U.S., so it'd be even worse. So in Italy, it can't like the bar is already like I think for you know if you're not a staff writer, yeah, yeah, it's just the market is smaller. It's yeah. normal, and so yeah, it's like and if if it's smaller and paying less and there's less global demand and they're already like uh, pinching out every you know there's layoffs at every other outlet that's why when i was at, the, at this top of your introduction i was like are, are any of these how many of these outlets are still around or are they just like yeah yeah not not so many yeah are they just a skeleton crew is it just someone who's just uh uh shepherding chat gpt through 50 articles a day about whatever i don't know culture is it just are they all culture culture writers now are there how much yeah they're we, well, we already have uh, Mid Journey used to, to to draw illustrations for video game outlets. Right. Well, will there be will there be uh, 
game critics in 10 years or will they all just be culture writers like it's just, criticism is in a weird spot it feels like uh i don't think game criticism ever really got a really strong foothold before uh you know the kind of aggregate style of like looking at reviews flattened reviews into numbers and took away a lot of the the importance of what any individual reviewer had to say i i hope at a certain point we kind of accept that we have to you know go beyond the the review you know right. the, the concept itself the review so that maybe criticism can be useful but not that way you're right it's a very it, it's it's weird in terms of like because there's a difference between like a critical uh, review of a film or like a game and like a product review of it. Yeah, I, I totally hate the concept itself. I, at, this, at this point, I'm trying, uh, for example, I mostly write reviews for uh, Art Tribune. And I try not to even say it's good, bad, uh, go right. play it and do not do it. I mean, I'm not your dad. I have no idea what you like. I don't know your tastes. I don't know anything about you. Yes. How can I say if you have to play it? I play, I mean, I play trash sometimes <laughs> and I like it because it gets my personal tastes. Yeah. And it's not, I, I think no one knows what I play. No one, my, my audience, people who read my articles do not know what I like to play. No one, nobody knows what I like to play because that's not my my job telling you yeah. about my thesis and what you should like uh, and i don't think you should only play things that are interesting uh, from my critical point of view i mean god's side play what you want that's not the point maybe I, I, i'd prefer you know to try to explain to discuss the games uh, i play i'm not interested in telling you if, if they are bad or good right right <laughs> right i i I like I sometimes like to read. I like to re like sometimes read reviews after I've watched something, and sometimes I even like to go to like bad reviews of things that I like and see why someone did not like it. And a lot of times I'll understand them and like, oh yeah, I I, I see what you mean though. Or it's like we just didn't we we didn't like that we like we both watched we both watched the same thing, but we either took different things away from it or I just did not like the things that you did like. We have different thresholds for like. Uh, tolerance of different things or uh, different things bother us. There's all sorts of stuff. But speaking about uh, uh, video games and liking to play what you like to play, uh, uh, Matteo, do you like to play Toho at all? What? Oh, uh oh, sounds like a no there. <laughs> the, the 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 famed uh, uh, Japanese bullet hell uh, series Toho. Oh yeah, sorry. Yes, okay. I okay. So I know the series, uh, 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 but I I I'm not able to play ballet how games. Do you, now? Do you know the series well enough to answer Mochi's eternal weekly question, which is, do you have a favorite Toho character? Oh no 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 no! I don't know it uh, huh. so much. I'm just not very good. The the the, the most I can play about ballet how was Ikaruga. Yeah. No, it's I, and I love it, but that's all I know about the genre, basically. 
Oh, that's fine. It's a it's a it's a very niche subgenre in a lot of ways. But the question it's it's what people come to the show for to know the answer to this question, and the answer is if this was a fame if this was a a, a more popular show, I think people I, you could have fun. Uh, so on keeping the stats, but there are no stats here. Anyway, uh, this is that I brought up that question because believe it or not, we've hit the end of our segment here so soon. Uh, so uh, I want to thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for being on the show and talking, talking with me. Uh, we're going to go on break uh, for like uh, two minutes and 31 seconds. And then we'll be back with our next guest. Hello, welcome back to Indiepocalypse Radio. That was Catra uh, Quay with Kinda Unlikely. Now we are back here with, like I said, like I promised you from the top, no game developers. Get them out of the show. We don't need them here. Uh, we are here with uh, our second guest of two, who you may know from making comics around the internet or uh, maybe particularly in this very niche scenario in doing the cover for what was it 30 33 i was gonna say 37 but i was dead wrong uh 33 of indie pockles but also uh, a, a general comic artist and uh comic uh adjacent critic and adjacent person uh, sarah horrocks is here hello sarah hey thanks for having me uh glad to have you on the show uh so uh, what what are are your um not superlatives but what's the word I'm looking for all the stuff you do? Um, well, I write and draw comics, and then um, in the past, I've been known to write comics criticism. I've written for like the Comics Journal and um, Fangraphics and um, stuff like that, and then. I've done comics, um, cover work and short comics for, you know, like Boom Studios, some image comics stuff, but mostly I'm interested in doing sort of independent self-published work. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm, you know, I like to have as much control over everything as possible. One of those crazy people, which yes. I'm sure you relate. <laughs> as someone who does all of my work myself, yes, I um Love having, uh, well, I have, I exhibit zero creative control over uh, the artists because I like having no one having creative control over me, but everything else I do myself because I I think I am exhausting to work with. If I don't give you 100% uh, space to yourself, I think I, 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 I know myself that I can be overbearing. Uh, my thing is, I think I tend to be, uh, I have very particular ideas about what I want. Right. And um, it's just easier for me to try and fail to achieve those ideals than, you know, deal with the kind of interpersonal disappointment with, yeah. if it's someone that I would, you know, prefer to at least remain friends with. Right, right. That's the other uh, tricky thing about working <laughs> with people is if, like, some people might get along great, but work together terribly. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think the worst for me is when I'm drawing for a writer because I have so much of so much of a writer background. Right. Uh, it, it gets 
fresh that's that's probably the most frustrating collaboration for me because I'm just like have to not have to shut off the part of my brain that is overly critical of the script and all this stuff and just be like just do think about what they want and just kind of do that but I usually don't I don't do that very often unless it's like people pay really well (laughs) (laughs) right right there's uh, I had a friend who was doing a cover for somebody who had like a very, uh, he's like, sure. Th- we had to just keep telling him just the guy's giving you money. Just don't argue with it. Just do whatever he wants. Even if you think it looks way worse, just, just go along with it sometimes, you know? And so I think weird... with club with collaboration, you have to have kind of a sliding yeah. scale of, um, pay versus aggravation. Right. The more aggravation, aggravation, the more you should be getting paid. <laughs> right. You have to kind of, estimate that ahead of time right right if, if like if there's like or you need to know on the onset it's like are we going to be collaborating or are you sending me something and i'm sending you something back yeah <laughs> and it is less a bit of collaboration more like you are just paying me to do something that you want which is why i liked doing the apocalypse cover because you just yeah. kind of like you can do whatever and i'm like oh. right, nice yeah i love it, it is my favorite because i never know what i'm gonna get <laughs> it's, it's so exciting uh, like, I think I think not having the restrictions probably made me um, put even more into it because I was like, there's some things I wanted to try for the first time, and right. uh, you know, I wanted to make something kind of new and interesting for myself, and having that space to do that was really nice because it's it was the first time I've used um, 3D um, 3d generated stuff yeah i used some unreal stuff to um get kind of the textures in the backgrounds and then drew over it because i wanted to see what that would look like for future comic stuff yeah yeah okay and so it ended up working out how i wanted as well i made this whole little apartment for that like scene to take place in and then like Ah. designed over it i i now I'm gonna I'm gonna look at that and see if I could realize that having looked at it now. But it is yeah, there's uh if you wait on the we're on the live stream right now, we're very far from we're on issue five. Um but if you wait long enough, you'll get to it. It's it's the one with uh, uh like the woman in the center with the kind of uh, metallic sheen cover or title treatment. And that's also I love seeing like how people approach the title treatment of it since I, I don't have like a, a very, like a specific title treatment. Like I, yeah, I wanted to do something that was kind of like a eighties VHS type vibe yeah. title yes. thing. <laughs> now, and yeah, thought no, that, that would really fit. And it does. And it was one of the ones that like, some of them look also really great on the sides of, cause I, I have one next to me. I started as, as a way to sell, things physically um i'm putting like usb sticks inside of little cassette uh, cases and it's one of the ones that looks really snappy on uh the side of a cassette uh, oh you should take a picture of that and let me see it i i will um not right now <laughs> i'm busy but no. i will get <laughs> i'll get to you soon um yeah it's i also recommend that to people who are looking to publish digital works cassette cases are super cheap uh, and so are like uh, USB sticks off of AliExpress, and it looks cool. Aren't cassettes in general kind of coming back a little bit, like in the way vinyl did? Yeah, and I think the thing is that you'd, 
I don't know the market, but I think it's you don't have to um, like if Adele prints uh, something on vinyl, people don't have to wait th- ten years to print their indie album on vinyl. I think you can just uh, um, uh, pre- I think you can press to cassette a little fat. I think it's the, the it's a little easier to do because technically you can do it in your house. So yeah, it's like I a, think it's kind of cool. Yeah, you you can't do that with vinyl. <laughs> you can't press vinyl in your house, but you yeah. can. You can't put uh, cassettes. You can't just have cassette. I think I have lying around somewhere, uh, a, like a stereo that has a cassette recorder in it. Maybe. That's yeah, it's definitely. Um, I think in the end, it as a medium, I think it has more. There's certain qualities to it that are are better than say like CDs. There's like an audio texture to cassettes that I think that. When we when we moved to CDs initially, I think we probably um, didn't fully appreciate. Yeah, yeah. There is a, like uh, you know there is a different kind of like it's it's accessible, but there's something about Plus, you can't easily skip things. Yeah. So it's very you have to kind of listen to things more as an album, similar to records. But right. Yeah, that is kind of. A, a very inter- like a very uh, important part, I think, too. Um, I, as someone who is a real out full like front to back album junkie, who who dares never do like shuffles. <laughs> I I like the idea of, of forcing people to kind of like not just listen to the hits, you know. I wish I had maintained that discipline, but now my Spotify is like ninety percent playlists at this point, and. It, it's not as fulfilling as, you know, used to be when you'd buy you'd buy an album, you buy one album, and that'd be what you listen to for like a whole month or something, right. and just be obsessed with it. I kind of I miss that really getting into an album to that degree. It, it it's very nowadays it's more okay. What mood do I want, and what songs fit that mood? Right, right, and you can. I'm still uh, in that that lifestyle but i have like this is the album that fits that mood uh and i just listen to it on repeat forever but that is a a very specific kind of lifestyle you know yeah of like are you into this sort of thing and then it's like i think i just got burned too many times where it's like Albums are made to be played. <laughs> Silly statement. Albums are made to be played sequentially, one song after another. So the songs sound good next to each other. Uh, yeah, which is something that's been totally lost in yeah. pop culture in general. And then also a lot of artists aren't even necessarily making albums anymore. Right. But I mean, there are still some, obviously, and good for them. Yeah, but there's, yeah, it, it leans to being just like, here's, and I'm sure they did that. I'm sure it's always happened forever, which is like, here are your singles, and then let's put some other songs on there. Well, it used to be a mark against uh, albums, like if you got it, and it was just kind of sounded like a bunch of singles. Right, right. Um, it didn't have any sort of cohesive anything. It was just no different than like a Greatest Hits album or something. Right, because you're like, I bought this thing, and now I have to... <laughs> You, you can't you can't just listen to it piecemeal on Spotify and give the artist uh you know a, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction <laughs> of a fraction of a cent. Yeah. 
which is a whole other <laughs> issue. Um, yeah, we've kind of normalized screwing over the arts, and it seems to be just uh, accelerating on right. all fronts these days. Right, right. I, geez, I think a lot about that uh, that webtoon ad. Was it webtoon? Who did that? Um, I'm not sure. That it was like, uh, it was something about like your 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 author's your author's side gig was webtoon. Sounds about right. It was, the, it's just kind of I, what I hope is we start to see because I mean I've seen a little bit of this, but I'd, I'd like to see more of a reaction to some of this acceleration and see people splinter off into more underground stuff and communities and things like um I've, there's, there's been a cartoonist cooperative that yes. started up recently as uh twitter kind of started to fall apart and it's been really nice having a more focused community uh to talk about a sort of specific niche and build out with that i think that i'd, I'd like to see more of that because i think that um as art becomes faster and less personal, I think it becomes more important that we find ways to personalize it and make our connections. Like, it's one thing to, like, you know, I like, you know, if I like something because I like something, that's nice. But it's also the connection of a piece of art that you like and then also getting to meet and understand the person behind it, I think, has gained importance to me in the last couple of years or even just um as an artist getting to meet the people who are reading my work and stuff like going to conventions and um talking with people who are reading what you're making or you know doing what you're doing i feel like in the end those connections are kind of what's going to continue to validate validate art and continue to validate making art as opposed to you know, I don't think these communities will ever become a situation where it's just like it's a bunch of people valuing somebody who can just, you know, tap in some prompts or something. Right. There's right. nothing really personal about that. Yeah, the, the, I think it's one. It's one of those hard things to deal with of realizing that art, like good art, maybe even is if it's unprofitable and the time tends to persevere a lot longer than um, just kind of broad mainstream art. Yeah. I, I remember. But I think there's been a huge wake-up call um, for a lot because since the AI art stuff is um, scraping popular art so much, it's reproducing styles that we've seen like so much of, and that artists have become so sort of mired in that it's I think going to force aesthetic changes because. Um, the, we can't just, I don't think humans can last just looking at the same thing for the rest of our yeah. existence, which is what AR, AI art portends because it's always cannibalizing itself. And if less people are creating that new thing, then we eventually, eventually are just going to be, like I said, there's an experience with AI art that is, I think, new and something that will eventually have a name um, and which is that I have an experience when I look at it of deja vu yeah. where it's like 
I feel like I've seen it before, even though it's not something I've actually seen before, but because it's tangential to so many things that I've seen, I when I see an AI piece, I tend to have, um, uh, I, I tend to feel deja vu, which is a very strange experience with art. Right, right. I, oh. I, I had a friend who was already uh, kind of uh, referring to like the, the art style that uh, AI has glommed on to most prominently and he was already calling just like art station style uh, just deris- derisively before ai started shoveling out uh an even more like impersonal dehumanized version of that style yeah and it was like okay so now this is like a style that was already very uh samey looking now it just kind of looks worse but also even more samey than ever before because it is uh, literally the same stuff. Well, and I tried, because um, I was interested to see how the um, programs kind of worked and what they kind of did. So I've, I've experimented with them a little bit. Yeah. And my frustration was that it was, in the end, much much faster for me to just go find an artist that I like and find like their art book or something right? and look at that than it is for me to try and corral a AI uh, program to a very particular art style that I have in my head. I think a lot of the people, the reason they're able to um, enjoy making those, uh, generating those things is because they don't come into it with a very hard aesthetic sense. Whereas for me, I have very particular likes and things I like aren't exact, aren't necessarily super popular. Right. So it's very difficult to, get what you want out of them but i mean i can i could get like a very diffused version through styles that i'm not not interested in so i mean it might be interesting eventually when it's sort of evolved into an artistic tool where like i can feed it like my art style and then have it like um right like, or I could draw like a scene and then be able to rotate it in three dimensions and have it keep my style, something like that I could see as being somewhat useful and interesting in the creative process. But as in terms of just um, punching in words and getting something that's in a already established style, I don't find that terribly interesting or useful. Right, right. There has a lot of, and it has so many like built-in biases in it already. Yeah, of just like that become very obvious once you're looking for biases of like, I I, di- I didn't offer it. Uh, I just typed woman. Why is it always wh- why is she always white? Uh, you know those kind of things, and you're like, huh. Well, and depending on which one you're using, why is she why is she always an anime character? <laughs> right, right. Why is she always this anime adjacent white lady? <laughs> All I said was woman. <laughs> weird, weird how weird how that keeps happening. Good thing. Uh, Machine learning is totally unbiased, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, we're it's it's kind of scary where, and you know, art is just the most obvious avenue where this stuff is happening. But I mean, it's also happening with writing and you know, yeah, criticism and things like that. And you just kind of worry about the every everything from the way social media is operating to ai and everything it just all seems uh it seems to be like a funnel 
trying to funnel the human experience into very predictable, um, controllable um, areas. And it's kind of it's kind of concerning, especially when it becomes sort of both input and output. Yeah. You wonder at what point are we just in denial that we're not already in like a matrix type situation. <laughs> right, right. It's it's uh this kind of right the, the, this push towards like a certain kind of like homogenization cuz also that like homogenization benefits like you know your little prompt cowboys or whatever who are like I'm a clever prompt guy cuz they're not really publishing uh new ideas. So there's like, you know, or how many people have said like, oh, could you imagine if you could just type in, I want to watch more Frasier and then you just see more Frasier. Like it's all about um, uh, seeing more of the same stuff forever. And I'm like, I never want to see more of the same stuff forever. I always want to see something different. Right. Like it's that, that it for me, what keeps me with art is the, is that I'm always looking for kind of that next fix. Yeah. Something that, you know changes how i thought what i thought could be done or there's like a new aesthetic or you know i want to see new stuff i don't want to see more of stuff that i already have experienced yeah i'm 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 calmed down from my my high of last week but i'm still pretty hot on uh uh, having watched stalker you know and i i i am like that is a different thing and it's something i will think about uh for a long while, but it's not, and that's the uh, movie. Yes. The, the movie. Tarkovsky movie, the Tarkovsky movie. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's one of those, I remember it reminds me all like whenever I've, it's just a weird, mildly uh, tangent. Um, but like this kind of like homogenization of art, every time it comes up around, like we need to have a consensus around a piece of art or people stop, too many adults start arguing about the Mario movie or whatever. I uh, remember back in high school when we, like, someone had someone found Master of the Flying Guillotine on demand and slowly introduced our entire friend group to it, like, bit by bit of, like, you have to see this weird old martial arts movie. I had that on VHS. I, it, I looked at him like, is it on Blu-ray? It's not. But I'll get a <laughs> DVD for, like, 40 bucks of that. But they used to have um uh, the the Wu-Tang clan I think uh put out a bunch of the movies that they sampled from on VHS yeah. way back in the day so they had a lot of stuff like that um that became really popular around like the late 90s early 2000s yeah, um, I think also because Tarantino was also putting stuff out like that as well so it was very much like the golden age of kind of trashy kung fu flicks yeah, it's so weird because I feel like the only way to get something, I think the only way to get Sonatine on in physical in the U.S. is like as like a pairing, like it's like a pairing with that uh, uh, Takeshi Kitano Zadoichi movie, and it's mm-hmm. like over in the bottom right hand corner is like Sonatine is here too. It's, <laughs> wow, it's very strange, but it's like, and I think most people would like with like the kind of like critic versus uh general consensus thing, I think most people are actually like would love weird critic stuff. They just don't know it. Yeah. I think, well, I mean, that that's the sad thing about the way that the internet has ended up is because kind of the potential of it was as a, you know, 
free connected community where, you know, we shared this weird sort of small stuff and it lived on and, you know, now it's all become very corporatized. Like, I mean, even think about like what YouTube was when it first started. And I mean, you could watch like Simpsons episodes on YouTube. Yeah. But I mean, you, there was like weird, there, there, I mean, there still is like some, still find some kind of weird anime stuff that hasn't been like um, ever localized in the US or something like that. And, you know, being able to find stuff like that, that somebody through like a labor of love has, you know, translated or something like that, or even just watching something in a without subtitles in a foreign language and just kind of appreciating it for what you can understand. Um, I, f- I feel like we're, there's less and less of those oddities, which is kind of sad because I think that was one of the fun things about the internet for a while. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, uh, it feels like somehow we're slowly wrapping back around uh, or not even not so slowly wrapping back around to a monoculture uh, yeah. that is, that is very like advertising led and everything. It's kind of, it's kind of like someone saw things were getting too out of control and has figured out a way to wrestle them back within like the framework that we were trying to escape. Right. (laughs) Very sort of, it's, it's really sad how cyclical that stuff has been. You just hope that there's a new, um, someone comes up with some sort of way to bust out of all this. Right. And there's some new crazy thing that we can all be crazy and weird on. Yeah, and if because some of it does feel like it is tied to like uh, content creation, like you like it's so you know you log on, you're like I have to have an opinion about uh, whatever TV show or movie came out this week because that's what my that's what my audience wants. <laughs> they, they crave opinions about Bowser, so I have to. And the, have... the sad thing is, it's it's opinions, but it's not yeah. discussions. So right. like. I'll finish something and be really excited and be looking for places to talk about it. And there's just, because we're all watching stuff at different times and, uh, you know, there's just not communal spaces as much anymore where we just go and everyone can like argue about, you know, some random thing, some right. like, cause back in say like the, early 2000s and 10s like um i was big on like hip-hop message boards so you'd go there and you would talk about like the latest like release or different all kinds of different music stuff i got put onto through those places and it's just kind of like you'd listen to all these different things and then you'd come in and you'd be like oh did anyone listen to this have you heard this and then people would who had heard it would talk you talk about it you debate it and you know, be like, oh, this part kind of sucked. And be like, no, and there's, you'd have like people would legitimately write essays back and forth right. about art. And uh, I don't think, I think uh, the 100, 140 characters or less stuff has kind of lessened abil- people's ability to just kind of spam out that those kind of essays. But right. I mean, those guys kind of nice to be able to like get into a full thought about something and then digest something someone else has said and kind of go point by point right, and then right. have them react and stuff. I don't know. I, I I would like to see us figure out a way to have something like that. I don't think 
message boards are ever going to come fully back as much as I'd want them to. And yeah, Discord is kind of interesting. I've been using that more lately, and um, that's something like that. But it's also kind of very can be very impenetrable, right? Um, right. When you first find a community, because it's just kind of like people were just pushing like gifs and stuff in random order and you're like what is going on here what what yeah. is the discussion how right. do i talk to these people right and it's like i i realized what you were just saying that i was like oh i i think a lot of the reason that message boards probably work better is because there's like the message board isn't somebody's feed you know you're not uh like it's it's like no, nothing the an author owns it's all people coming into like a neutral space sort of rather than like oh. I'm putting something on my uh, Twitter Mastodon co-host feed, you know? Yeah. And it, like w when you can, when you can be like spitting out, you, not on a, I mean, as much as people like, I'm sure people on forums believe they did. People on forums do not have audiences. Yeah. And I think that's uh, the, the worst, the worst ones thought that they did. <laughs> You're right. Right. <laughs> but it, like that, I think that's like, the fact that we all constantly have audiences is probably the worst of it all. Yeah. I think there's um, a psychological toll to yeah. trying to maintain any sort of thing. I've never really done that with my own stuff. Um, Cause I just, I have too many thoughts on too many different things. So right. it's kind of a, it's like a real mess to follow me on Twitter because the one minute I'll be talking about like my comics or some other comics and I'll be talking about like soccer, football, we're talking about, you know, politics or, you know, whatever I'm interested in in that moment is what I'll, what I talk about on there. So I'm not at all curated. So a lot of times people will follow me because they'll like that I said one thing about something and then, and then they get the rest of the stuff that I'm talking about and then quietly depart. <laughs> right, right. That is one of the, the like, the, the issues of it all. Like, like. It's why I think when some people were, when uh, I've said this before on the show, probably far too many times, but I remember seeing one of the first, one of the first of sixteen Twitter exoduses when people were saying the site actually doesn't even draw traffic. I have forty thousand followers, but only two people ever go watch my Twitch streams, and it's probably because like you got those followers through like you know Twitter content creation of you like you know giving your takes on current events and like why would those people want to watch you play video games on twitch you know well i follow obviously i follow a lot of artists um and i follow i'll follow like artists who have like millions of followers yeah and you'll look at like they'll post some new art and it'll have like less than 100 comments and that's just like it's crazy to me right, I, right. people i mean they still they'll still get like a, a fair amount of likes and stuff, but um, it's it's so it's so it's so sad to see someone like so talented and they put all this time into making something and it's literally just something that somebody scrolls past, right? Or they might they might uh, yeah, <laughs> like as a put. I mean, uh, so I whenever I like something, I always try and even if you know the artist doesn't speak English or something, I'll you know just have a very simple reaction in words yeah. because I think that taking the time to actually say something to someone for something that they've done, I think is very valuable and, you know, it can make it, it can make it, make a difference to people. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found anecdotally that 
uh, I've when I when I've posted things like a like a polite like a complimentary quote retweet gains a lot more traction than just like a retweet like that the quote retweet from someone with like 400 followers gets way more attention than something that's just like a retweet from someone with like 80,000 you know yeah it feels more personally invested uh, but speaking of personally invested Sarah I need I need to ask you a question are you how oh. how personally invested are you in Toho well, I tried to be I tried to get into it recently, but I'm I'm don't sadly I don't know as much as I should, which hopefully that doesn't get me in trouble with the trans community. Yeah, I know Toho I think, and uh, Melty are. Blood are kind of our two uh, right. I think you're killers. Like, just don't let me. I won't ask you about Umi Neko, okay? Uh, <laughs> I do. I I I've I've been reading Higurashi, but okay. I haven't finished it, so I didn't want to start. I mean, Echo, like the stuff I've been reading, I, I've been getting into visual novels, so I've re- but I'm yeah. really into like Subarashi and uh, Sayano Uta and like Dimpa type stuff. Okay. Um, ja- a lot of the stuff Jast has been putting out, like Nitro Plus stuff. Like I got um, Tokyo Necro recently. I've been playing, I've been reading that and enjoying that. I very busy and i look at eight i look at you know ten thousand hundred thousand word visual novels and i'm like i gotta do so that. slow and i'm like it's, I, a, it's such a slow medium yeah. and so usually because usually it's like you i mean and plus the thing for me is like just the action of having to constantly click starts to get to me so then i have to put it on automatic and then i have to like not have my attention span <laughs> turn away from the screen right. and it's just kind of like uh so i i kind of have to force myself through it but it's worthwhile um usually in the end yeah, yeah. especially the good ones I, like i played um witch on the holy night recently and I, I really enjoyed that that's i'm really into uh type moon stuff and it's been really influential in my own work so it was that was actually one where it didn't feel like a chore to get through oh, type moon is a whole type moon is Type Moon is Melty Blood adjacent, right? Yeah, well, Melty Blood is Type Moon. Okay, uh, Melty yes. Blood comes from uh, Tsukihime. Okay, yes, yes, there is a, which is uh, there's a whole that's a whole other uh, thing, of yeah, it's like Tsukihime and um, uh, I've always Karano Kyosh, the Garden of Sinners. I always remember the English titles yeah. for stuff, but um, that stuff before Fate, um, which I like Fate too, but. Um, I, I love kind of that, um, dark urban fantasy stuff like Boogie Pop Phantom and, uh, Tokyo Ghoul and stuff like that. Okay. Um, but we, we've, sorry, we've strayed, for, we've, we've strayed so far from our original question. I won't let you, uh, make me avoid. Do you have a favorite <laughs> Toho character though? Uh, no, but I would like to, you know, learn and get one eventually. Cause I do like the art style, but I just, yeah. uh, I, I actually bought a Toho game off steam recently, I think one or two. And I just haven't had the time to get good at it. Oh, like, like Toho proper, not like a Toho, uh, cause steam also has like a lot of those Toho, uh, fan games as well. I, th- I think it was a Toho proper game. Okay. Um, cause I was trying to find something that was like an actual, this is what the thing is yeah. type of starting point. I don't remember which one I, picked but um i only played a little bit and i was like art's cool and the music is cool i wish i 
could be better at this game. Yeah, it's a very bullet hells is a is a skill you slowly adapt over time. Uh, I keep waiting for like a VTuber that I like to really get into it, and then I can just watch vicariously. Yeah, that's I've I've got I have very specific LP tastes that I need. Um, I've re- I've learned to realize, but I I need to figure out I need to find the right ones. Um, but all this is to say, uh, we're going to go on a break soon. Uh, Sarah, thank you for being here. Uh, problem. Thanks for having me. We'll be back in about a minute 51. Welcome back to Indiepocalypse Radio. That was a minute man with do you want new wave or do you want the truth? Uh, uh, I finally said that. I gotta I gotta buy myself a copy of Double Nickels on the Dime because that is a forty tracks. I could live off that thing as break music forever. They're all like as a classic. Ah oh, yes. I, I I sometimes if I go like months without listening to it, I'll forget that uh that what's it called that corona is the jackass theme and i'll get jump scared by it when it comes on <laughs> i was like ah what's this song doing here i was like all right uh that's just a regular song uh but yeah no i, I love it oh, but anyway anyway this is not a podcast where i talk endlessly about uh, punk and punk adjacent music that i like <laughs> though i like a lot of it as I force people to listen. This show is me forcing people to listen to music that I like. <laughs> uh, and also uh, talking to guests about things. Everyone's here. Everyone's back. We're in the the open zone. Uh, we're talking briefly in the, in the, in the break zone. That's a private uh, about like comic shows. Cause I, I, I say, I mentioned that because I want to say that I also really like mice, uh, is a cool show it is more uh is a bit more indie i think actually applied for that this year so i don't i don't know if i'll get in but um i'm interested because i used to live in massachusetts and rhode island so i've um, always lived in massachusetts oh nice where uh kind of can you say i can (laughs) say so i kind of near the cape okay I, i lived in uxbridge yeah, I don't know where that um, is. And NASA lived in Providence for I know a year it, or two. I know where that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I've never revealed the individual place to them, but it's like a small town mass kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but like close to Providence, I love going. To, I could love the, but I'm going to Providence next month for like a, uh, so if you're prov- if you're listening, you're Providence local, I'm going to the anti-robot club. It's like a, flea market thing it sounds like a providence thing yeah i'm gonna have a bunch of tapes with games on the inside of them and i hope people will buy i i point as i say point to a camera that can't see me um providence seem providence has kind of or at least when i lived there it had a good sort of independent art scene across kind of everything 
Yeah, well, I mean, they have, like, AS220, which is, what, like, two or three blocks worth of, like, artist residence and, like, black box theaters and all that stuff. Yeah. Which is a very cool thing, which is nice because, like, you go to Providence, where you go to Bo- I can go to Boston where they have the big things, uh, or go to Providence where they have the cool things. I always try to stay out of Boston. <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I'm going next week for uh, like a panel thing at the local game developer thing. But usually, I would only go there for like a a big show, like a mice kind of thing. It was annoying when I lived in New England and I was like looking for work there, and uh, you know, just the cost to drive into Boston because of all the tolls and stuff. Yes. For like, how about I find a place that's not Boston? <laughs> right, right. You don't need to spend, you know, uh, $20 a week just going to work, <laughs> uh, excluding gas and all. Yeah. Yeah. Massachusetts is a very expensive place to live. Yeah. It's that weird thing where like the U.S., like a Massachusetts dollar goes further than dollars in other states because, you know, it's so expensive here. So minimum wage is like $15. An hour got like six or six dollar a gas and like right how uh, yeah toll yeah. roads and all the fun all the fun stuff right of taxes taxes <laughs> the people love the taxes with five like five point two five percent or something on sales tax <sighs> loving it loving it <laughs> uh, whatever <laughs> you, if you live your whole life you get used to it yeah but uh I don't know. It's the U.S. is weird and huge. That I, I think that's one of the the thing. I I don't know. I could ask someone. That's the tricky thing. Is like how much uh, is the U.S. seen as a singular thing? Like the United States is the United States. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, for example, uh, in Italy. We kind of have an idea that you know, you know, the U.S. are huge. At the same time, we kind of we don't know anything about what's in the middle. Right, right. <laughs> That's the main point of how we consider them, uh, the U.S. The U.S. has the West Coast, the East Coast, and then there's uh, something like Florida, Florida, and Miami. That's all. Uh, and we have a, the concept of Texas. Yes. We hold the concept of Texas. We we have it because um, I don't know. Texas is kind of represented in media. Then there's the Texas man uh, in the Simpsons. So we have an idea yeah. that Texas does exist, uh, but mostly our idea of what's in the middle. In the middle, there's the places uh, characters move through while moving, you know, from one coast to the other one. That's our idea yeah, of the U.S. But, I mean, I, I, I think it's, I mean, that's kind of the idea you have about Europe. Right. <laughs> uh, Europe is just a, no, it's like a bunch of tiny, I think, at least uh, having never been there, it's like, oh, you can go to like a million different places. Uh, On a train. Right, right. <laughs> I can go to boston on a train maybe i can't go anywhere on a train really <laughs> yeah. i'm in oklahoma yeah i was i was looking to go to toronto on a train uh but like it was like a 24 hour trip 
because I had, yeah, to, I had to like go down to New York and then wait for like eight hours and then go up, even though it's like a one hour flight. I mean, our country is, uh, I mean, you, I'd say that Europe is, uh, you know, you shouldn't compare a single uh, European country to the whole uh, US or the whole North American continent. Uh, it's more like uh, Italy is just one, uh, as big as one of your states. Uh, right. So I think at the end of the day, you can move uh, in your own state uh, as much as we can uh, through Italy, through the Italian landscape. It's something yeah. like that. Awesome. And, and and there's an important difference. When we move to the next state, uh, uh, we you must know another language here yeah that's that's a total different thing so yeah you can go to france but do you know french because they're <laughs> not going to speak english there right, right they're not going to speak italian there so and so it's it's something like that so yeah you of course you can go by train everywhere but do you know spanish portuguese because you need to know those languages if you want to survive there so it's quite, quite different. So yeah, mm, it, it, we you can move maybe more freely to Europe at the same time. Uh, you, it's a, a totally different culture, languages, uh, and so on. Right. But that's why you've got to make friends in each of each of these countries. Yeah. <laughs> so so you, when you visit, they can help translate for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You basically need, uh, you know, to know someone or, you know, to get to know someone there if you want to. But just not to be the random, the random tourist uh, wandering around without uh, understanding anything about the, the place. Because, of course, you can use English as, uh, you know, our lingua franca. And you can just speak English quite everywhere in Europe, uh, but in French. In French, they're going to <laughs> Because they're, because it's French, they're it's France. But but very particular, yeah. But, or in Italy, because the Italian people just do not speak anything but Italian, and they often just speak the local, the very local dialect. So you can you can't expect the Italian people to speak even Italian. So <laughs> you can't expect Italian people to speak English. It's not going to end very well. Uh, I, I live in a very tourist zone because it's it's Tuscany. I live in the in that Tuscanian Italian countryside. You know, you see in the movies there, uh, and no one here speaks English. <laughs> so it, that's one of the most tourist touristish place place in Italy. Uh, but you know, yeah. So you can speak English, but it's weird because if you think about it, it's very weird because at this point of the history of Europe, uh, England is not even part of the European Union anymore. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> they made a big fuss about it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's it's still the the official language, the official language of the European Union, basically. You know, the lingua franca in the European Union in the institutions. Of the European Union, the lingua, the language that's used, the lingua franca that's used is English. Yeah. Well, it's you not about even... the, the unofficial member of the EU, the United States, <laughs> as it is the unofficial member of whatever it wants to be, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. 
so we're... But yeah, so it's weird because you, we really have this English as a you know, lingua franca. Yeah. Has there been any, um, is there any movement to change that at all? Like are people, or is it just because it would be too controversial to pick? Like it would be, or French yeah, yeah, or... yeah. It would be too too controversial because uh, basically we have, uh, you know, um, Germany and France that are kind of the kind of fighting for the the dominance, the the, you know, the the supremacy within the European Union. Their France and foes. Uh, that is very, you know, this very complex relationship, uh, and so yeah, it's it's something no one wants want to discuss at the moment. It's definitely very strange <laughs> yeah. That, you, yeah. that everyone's been forced. I guess it's like that around the world, though. A lot of places have been kind of forced to at least have as a second language English. Right. If if only to do your their two dollar an hour customer service job. Yeah. Also, um, I think it helps with like banking as well, because I think that was one of the that's one of the reasons um, like London has been so big is because it's kind of it's close to the EU, but they still speak English. So I think there was talk after Brexit where that business would move to like Dublin or something like that, because it would they would be close to the EU, but it would still be English enough where American. and Canadian to an extent businesses can kind of interact with the EU kind of the English face. Right. It's one of those things where, I mean, secretly it's like wherever the money still is, the money is going to guide all this stuff at this point, probably to some extent. And as long as the U S has got a shit ton of money. Yeah, but at the same time, I think uh, I, I don't want to sound controversial here, but maybe I'm going to. Uh, but I think the, the the history phase, the history stage, uh, well, uh, US are the you know, the the most important, the dominant uh, uh, country in the world that is kind of you know. It's kind of handy that we are not anymore there. Would would want nothing more than that (laughs) to just (laughs) calm down for a second. Uh, (laughs) Had his two his two hundred year long temper tantrum and like done being the spoiled new child or whatever. I just I kind of wonder. um, I I think I, I think the U.S. is gonna get to the point in our lives where it's too big to continue as it is and it'll eventually it's going to have to split off into different areas because the politics are too stratified between right like the middle of the country and the coast well and, that will be good. i but it's something that's it's being discussed in the us i mean North yeah. america in general oh okay i didn't know about it yeah i think that um yeah it's very the sort of culture cultural values and laws and everything that are being passed are varying so radically and as a trans person i'm very much going through this right now right um very so differently um from state to state that and what that does is it causes like 
people of different political views then will gravitate to different areas and just make the extremes even larger. But the political system itself, the way that our um, Congresses are built, uh, very much values kind of land over people. So if all of the people move to the coasts, you may have a larger population of people who have very progressive ideas on the coasts, but it, the country will be very conservative because the land mass is controlled by a few, a few people, but very conservative people. Yeah. I don't think that that's going to be something that's going to be, um, I don't think that's going to be able to be maintained for very long. And especially when, as we see sort of environmental and economic pressures escalate over the next 20 years, along with sort of the rise of, you know, China, for instance, um, I think that we, I think that there's, um, I don't know, I'd be very surprised if, say, 30 years from now, the U.S. is still how it looks right now. Right. I think that it'll eventually be two, maybe three countries or get absorbed into something else. Yeah. I mean, countries are to... like 200 years with one large like uh, uh with one civil war is like not it's kind of standard when you think about it for how like young a country it is a lot of countries have gone through a lot of stuff over the years oh yeah, yeah. Well, i mean even europe yeah. has changed changed a lot in the last hundred years and even now like you have yeah, you know good. russia trying to change borders with ukraine and things like that so it's not i think i think we kind of especially our generation, we grow up and we have this idea of a stability that hasn't necessarily existed in human history right. for very long. Like, like we, we, we came to the generation kind of assuming, Oh, this is how everything is. These, all the lines are already drawn. Yeah. And they're, they're immovable. But, yeah. But because I mean, we are, I mean, I believe that in, in an age where, after the you know the, the the end of the of the Soviet Union, uh, the end of the ideologies, the end of history, all those ideas that history has ended, uh, and now everything is fixed. Now everything it, it will keep being as it is because there are no more ideologies, no more wars. That's how they kind of presented, they kind of um, you know represented the. the our our future and our present in the last uh, 30 years um of course uh, it it was not even true in europe you you we had the day war in yugoslavia we had the wars in europe uh, during the past 30 years so even in europe uh, history <laughs> kept going on but there was this idea of you know, the end of history and well, remember, there used to be that idea that, like, so long as we have a McDonald's in a country, like, there was, like, this thing for a while where no two countries that had a McDonald's in them would have ever invaded each other. And, like, oh yeah, it's yeah. such a crazy idea that is not really to the test of time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, it's interesting. But of course, I mean, it was not actually how history works. It doesn't never uh, work that way. And we kind of hope for something in, probably impossible. Uh, we kind of hope for, you know, there's probably this idea that uh, 
World War II was so terrible. Nothing like that is going to happen again because because of World War II because that was because we kind of uh, decided that, that things were not going to happen again that way. Um, and at the same time, in all the words, in all the world, uh, things kept going on that way. Actu- yeah. They actually went went on that way. Worse, worse theory, no. Uh, still happened, uh, so I'm I'm not even sure what what we actually were hoping for, uh, but we are talking about you know the federal union, European Union, uh, this kind of ideas, uh, uh, European Union without wars, uh, an ATO maybe with Russia. There's something. I mean, in in early nineties, uh, we really we were really talking about uh, having. Uh, a defensive military alliance with Russia, then it, it, it was totally different. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, not different, but we really hoped for... Well, there, there, uh, Europe in general um, has very strong energy ties with Russia, obviously. And yeah, that makes yeah. things very awkward. But I mean, uh, it's something. Uh, it's something I used to. I mean, I, I like to uh, highlight the fact that half of Germany used to be Russian, uh, you know, till thirty years ago. Yeah, yeah. So it's I mean, it was, it was not Russian, okay. But I mean, we are. They are really. I don't know how to say it. Russia is actually. It, it, I don't want to sound controversial, but Russia is somehow very European. They're part of of, of Europe, European history. They're not some, something far away. And I'm Italian. We used to have the biggest communist party in Europe. And we used to have very strong ties with Russia. And it's well known. Uh, Maybe, I mean, it, it can sound controversial in the U.S. because the U.S., you mean, communist people were almost criminalized after the... <laughs> communist, the I mean, even just yeah. socialist people or even just people who, like, want to see libraries be, have be funded. Yeah. Right, we, yeah, I mean, we had, like, you know, the, the, the House of Un-American Activity or the House Committee of Un-American Activity. Yeah. not that old. Yeah. But um, it, it was totally different people... here. I mean, yeah, you guys had, I, yeah. I mean, you guys had some, yeah. I, I'm a big fan fan of like '70s <laughs> Italian cinema, which is all like communist yeah. directors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pasolini in, and. In um, my hometown, uh, at a certain point, the Communist Party had something like more than the fifty percent, just the Communist Party alone. So we had these uh, strong ties with, first of all, the, the, the Italian territory, okay, but but, but I mean, with uh, Russian culture, because of course, uh, even though I, I, I'm, I'm not a very big fan of Stalin, of Stalinism, I want to really <laughs> stress uh, this part, uh, I'm, I'm not one of those uh, nostalgic people say, well, uh, great guy Stalin, but we used to have strong ties with Russia. We used to, our Communist Party used to uh, go to Russia 
um, have, uh, you know, the, the, the normal relationship European Communist parties used to have with the Russian, with the Soviet Communist Party. But here the Communist Party was big, it was important. We, we uh, the Communist Party uh, wrote them, the Italian constitution together with the other parties. Uh, so, I mean, uh, it, it's very difficult to, to decouple Russia and Europe. It, it's different. Yeah, well, I mean, I think even through history, there's just too much interaction between, because, I mean, there's so many, like, wars that are just between, you know, Russia, France, and England. I mean, yeah. there's a, a cultural exchange just from that aspect where the you know the nobility from each country are intermarrying and you know they're you know constantly in either you know conflict or different alliances with each other and it just kind of like all of that and then of course as you pointed out you know after you know after world war ii you know russia was in control of you know a whole side of europe and so it's just kind of to deny that to say that Russia is not European or that maybe that Europe doesn't have some Russia in it as well. It's just, it seems very, um, diluted, but I think it's kind of interesting. It's almost like it's, um, uh, it's kind of, it's, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this because it's kind of, uh, Europe's kind of been at least between World War II and the fall of the Berlin Wall was kind of a playground for the U.S. and Russia. Um, And yet European identity still has to find itself between those two spaces, but it's obviously being influenced by two very different cultural sort of moments. One's ultra-capitalist and, you know, ultra right-wing religious and the other was communist at the time um what did do you do you think that that tension was felt throughout europe including italy or do you think that it was more like do you would you say italy was just more russian and there wasn't that much of an american influence no 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 there was a real tension because for example in italy uh it's difficult to discuss this this topic because so much happened, but for example, the U.S. at a certain point tried to organize uh, a coup d'état, a group in Italy during the 70s. Uh, so I mean, uh, everything happened here as uh, in uh, every other place. Not, not the it, U.S. <laughs> we've never, we've never <laughs> done something like that. <laughs> but, yeah. It, so you know, there was a, a real, um, a real conflict between uh, uh, those identities. Uh, in Europe, but even uh, between the capitalist and the socialist identities. So in Europe, you have this kind of um, of mix of socialism and capitalism. So, for example, our culture is totally different from the, the American culture, from the American capitalism. We don't understand the concept of why uh, the U.S. practically doesn't have uh, uh, a national health, uh, you know, that kind of um, institutions that are, are, are so common for us, uh, and we don't understand uh, how a country can work without uh, um, a nationalized uh, public health. 
institution. Yeah. Uh, my my medical plan is to not get sick. Right. <laughs> yeah, don't I, yeah, don't but, get sick. Don't get in a car accident. Don't right. ever have anything bad happen to you because it will financially ruin you if you survive. Right, your 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 body is like your car, where if you just like turn your radio <laughs> up loud enough, you don't notice the rattling. <laughs> yeah, but you know if if you uh, if you uh, okay, maybe now it's more common. But I remember when uh, talking about uh, a public uh, nationalized health institutions in the US it was like was really talking like a commie. A commie. Uh, right. But it's so normal here. No one, even the far, far right, the neolib Italian far right, would even would ever uh, think about, uh, you know, totally defunding the national uh, system. And I mean, we did uh, horrible things to our public uh, health institutions. We did things. And everything is working uh, much worse than it used to. Yeah, but it's something that it, it's not uh, on the table here. Even if you are, I mean, if you have a neolib uh, as much as you want. Uh, so it's it's totally different because we actually, yeah, we feel that kind of contrast. So that kind of, uh, of synergy between... Uh, uh, capitalism and socialism, but it was a, a huge conflict. And you must add that in Italy, we have the church, the Catholic church. Too. Yeah. So the conflict was uh, much weirder, weirder because um, we had uh, the, the Catholic church was very, you know, very close to um, the US uh, against uh, the communists. Uh, uh, so that's that's how we kind of survive uh, <laughs> till the, the fall of the Berlin Wall uh, with this internal conflict between uh, those forces. Uh, but it was it was even uh, it was even violent. We had terrorism in Italy because of this. Do you have um, the same? It's one of the things that's been happening over here um, because of the way that like say like Facebook algorithms work and things is that we have a very, we've become very um, politically stratified, but also very conspiracy oriented culture, um, which has made people, which has made it so you can be talk if you can be talking to some like another American and they can be, it can be like you're talking to someone who's in a completely different lived reality than you, even though you're in the same like, city or state or something like that and it kind of can make um it's kind of made politics almost impossible because there can be no compromise at all because it's the most everyone's gone to the most extreme areas on everything and ha and it's all wrapped around crazy conspiracy theories and stuff that keep people um very made people have made people more violently political than maybe they had been say 10 years ago um i didn't know if that's a phenomenon that's occurred in italy as well or if it's more of an english language because i've seen it happening in the uk um but i'm not aware of necessarily on the ground what it's like in italy in terms of that stuff so in italy we are kind of good at importing uh, the most terrible stuff uh, the anglo the anglo world uh, invents so yes of course we import it. we even imported the 
QAnon. Oh, wow. So, yeah, we imported everything. Above all, during the the first phase. (laughs) (laughs) The the first phase of the pandemics was, um, you know, all um, the confinements, all the death phases. The stage of the pandemics yeah. was uh, actually a, uh, yeah a, a, a good ground for uh, conspiracy theories. I, I'm not a fan of the expression conspiracy theory because I, I think we we should somehow um, give people uh, you know they, they uh, a lot of a lot of times people actually are expressing uh, um, you know beliefs that are somehow. Uh, not so far from the truth. I, I yeah. don't want to, so I kind of want to uh, be receptive of our of the needs, uh, the doubts they are trying to express. Uh, even when people say that hurt is flat, uh, I like to you know to see it as a, a, trying to express the fact that yes, map maps cartography. Are um, manipulated, are um, expression of powers uh, of uh, capitalism, powers of capitalism needs. So I'd like to uh, somehow see the good, uh, the truth inside this kind of uh, you know legends uh, um, that are called conspiracy theories. At the same time, yes, we kind of imported everything. Um, Above all, as uh, as in the Anglo world, uh, in uh, in Italy, we kind of a group of so-called conspiracy theories that comes from the the neo-Nazi, anti-Semitist, anti-Semitic, sorry, anti-Semitic far right, kind of became part of the mainstream. Uh, discussion yeah, so same yeah so we, you can buy the most uh, um, the most read newspaper in Italy and you can find an article about uh, the black washing of uh, Netflix characters so you can buy uh, another well read newspaper you can find an article about the cancel culture or um, we use cancel culture in English. Uh, we don't even try to translate <laughs> it. Uh, then you can find yeah the, the, the politically correct. We don't translate it. We mostly keep, keep it in English. Uh, then we have uh, political parties uh, that are kind of fond of the great replacement theory. Uh, if I must be sincere. Um, we probably imported that from uh, uh, French, not from uh, um, the, the Anglophone world, but the greater replacement is kind of big in Italy. Who, uh, for example, um, the, the governor, we, we say governor because we imported the expression from um, the US, but there, it, it's the, the president. Uh, of uh, a region a re- uh, of a zone um, uh, Italy is divided into regioni it's our political uh, you know unit in Italy um, and they have uh, a president uh, and uh, the president of Lombardia um, who is uh, where Milan 
in is uh, doing um, the electoral campaign there talked about uh, the, fa the, the fact that we have to protect the white race. Uh, that's how we are here. So, and then he, he just said, okay, sorry, I, I was misinterpreted. Uh, I didn't want to mean that. I mean, he, he actually talked about defending the white, the white race. I don't think you can, uh, you know, it's a mistalk. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> There's not much room for a misinterpretation there. It's kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. You can and, only get it. You can only get away with that if you're on if you're a Fox News TV host. <laughs> no, but it, it worked because he was elected and it was elected again. So it, it perfectly worked. Uh, so get replacement is a very important conspiracy theory. Then we have, um, of course, a movement against uh, vaccines and so on. And the main political party nowadays that probably you heard about it now we have a, a post-fascist they're they're called the post-fascist <laughs> political parties it's uh, the, the, a party that is actually uh, it comes from another party that comes from another party and that party comes from fascist officials i mean they were their actual officials during fascism and after the second world war they created a political party because we actually allowed it i mean we didn't have that kind of trials that we we tried to to go on with our lives that's basically how we tried to behave after second world war okay it was horrible sorry for everything now we are friends again and so uh, fascist officials were uh, could uh, create a, a political party and the political party now has evolved into this new political party brothers of italy uh, and they are our our main political party nowadays uh, they are the, the party of our president del consiglio of our president uh, of our prime minister i could say it's not actually prime minister but that's almost uh, the same meaning, um, and they are kinda close to uh, uh, movements against um, vaccines. Uh, so yeah, we the situation is not so different. We are even uh, um, importing um, um, TERF movement, TRF movements from the UK now. Yeah, that seems to be very a very popular. <laughs> fast-growing movement unfortunately yeah yeah we are we are doing good at it we are <laughs> we have um uh of course we have, we have a, a radical feminist movement of course that's trying trans um, I say, exclude the trans people uh yeah 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 we are there yeah we are there it's good to know the whole world is uh <laughs> joining us in this yeah right. drive off a cliff yeah, it's just you love to live in um, times of great change, you know. Love to yeah. live in. I guess it's, times. it's. I guess it's always been volatile. That's the thing that I comfort myself with. Uh, you know, human human history is almost always been terrible, right. and you just kind of have to find a way to survive whatever your lifespan is and yeah. enjoy as much as you're able to. 
yeah, for all our, our, our trappings, we're just kind of what we're we're just uh, screwed up little animals who created all <laughs> of our own little problems for each other constantly. And we just yeah. uh, we decide that we don't like different ones for no particular reason, really. It's like a monster of the week type thing. Right. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> yeah. I, don't know, I could do this. Like, like in, in 10 years, it might all be, it might all be gone. And who knows what could like, what people will switch to is like, is their next kind of like battleground of that's I say uh, aspirationally, you know, um, but. Wait till, wait till the AI, wait till the AI God comes online right. and really starts cleaning things up. <laughs> We'll all flee to our coast and live in our we our, our fractured U.S. sanctuary cities of progression. And it's like, no, no. <laughs> if if you are on this list of people, you simply do not travel to these areas of the U.S. Now, we'll fly yeah. you over them. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, it's like right. Yeah. It's right. It's like, hey, I'm gonna which which state am I gonna like? I have to keep a running tally. You know, not I have to keep a running tally, but I the. Uh, Speaking as a kind of you know broad protagonist of such story, I, I, where would you have to watch? Like, if, which state is next to like? Do you need to deathly, deathly avoid? You know, my state. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> every right. day, every day I wake up and uh, check online to see if they've uh, passed a new law, like outline my existence in some way. Exactly, and you and two two years ago <laughs> you were just living your life, and now all of a sudden. Yeah, it's like, oh wait, I didn't do, I didn't change anything. I can't, and you can't just like pick up your stuff and move. Well, it's crazy for me because uh, I came out in like 2005, I think. So I've been trans, I've been out and trans for, you know, right. over almost two decades, and so I've seen a lot of shifts. And on the one hand, there's more people who are. Uh, tolerant than there used to be yeah and nicer about it but there's a but there's also more people who are much more fixated on it and it's much more of like they're they make their personality like hating people like me which is right very very strange and, but yeah. the thing is like a lot of it is on a lot of it's online because yeah. obviously i live in i've lived in very conservative areas for a lot of my lifetime and I've worked jobs with people, you know, who voted for Trump or like, you know, w would identify themselves as, you know, Republican. But, you know, when I get when it when it when it gets to be somebody who you're dealing with every day and, you, you know, you start talking, you have commonalities, you're like, oh, we both like to talk about sports or the latest movie or comic books or video games. And then suddenly everyone's like, oh, you're just a human like me and yeah. then suddenly it's not a big big deal it's just that it's so many people who aren't interacting with anyone that are becoming big influencers online or they're you know millionaire billionaire celebrities who never interact with anyone and they just make it their life's mission to have these views and it's just um it's it's crazy it's crazy it's yeah it's you're watching basically it's like i'm watching people go crazy in right. slow motion and then wondering like how far it's gonna go 
Right, because it's, it's it's probably like you've experienced. Like, there's some people are probably just like, you know, you're like, yeah, they're real shitty. They would, you know, ten years ago, they would have been on these message boards and like really like been making their their whole identity. But then they, you know, it's like you said, when you meet someone, it turns out people are just still people. You know, <laughs> they're not uh, whatever whatever demon your Facebook feed has turned them out to be. Yeah, I mean, unless you're talking about like politicians, which are kind of a subhuman sure. breed of people, yeah, but, but like, but they're only, normal they're people. Only, yeah, normal only, people do not have necessarily um, ideologies. They have ideas about different things, and yeah. then they've been herded into like party party affiliation. But if you can actually talk to people, every you and the average person next to you have more in common than you don't have in common. Right. Right. And it's just kind of a shame that there's that people would rather create a society built upon the things that we don't have in common rather than enjoy the things that we do have in common and just make more of the things that we like. Yeah. It's uh... like video games. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. (laughs) This is all. It's, 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 it was all about video games all along. Oh, it's the, the great unifier. It's also secretly why I don't usually uh, uh, advertise any of like the... Uh, besides the fact that it feels weird to advertise using people as identities, it's, I've never liked that very much. It always makes me... Well, I mean, even as a yeah. trans person, I, for me, being trans is something that society has forced me to... Right reconcile with but for me personally it has very little to do with my day-to-day life i'm very my life's pretty boring life's pretty boring it's very like you would expect any other person who's an artist and into you know anime video games you you know 70s cinema you don't you don't wake up transly wrap yourself in the trans flag (laughs) go down eat your uh, trans cake that you slice open every morning it's like you're right it's just like uh and, and, and if it is that, that also I feel sometimes pushes people to be like, well, I have to, whatever my orientation or gender, I have to present it because it gets me. Uh, that's what that's what will make people care about me. If I well, it's I, difficult. It's yeah. difficult as an artist, especially because I'm not because for me, all of my stories are about a trans experience. Right. But they're not necessarily if you're not trans, you wouldn't necessarily gleam that from them. Uh, because it's not, I'm not doing anything overt and it's right. not the only thing that I'm interested in talking about. And so I kind of get in these spaces where I see like other trans artists and stuff that become very popular and stuff, but they're basically trading in, you know, trans identity and their stories are very much just about like their four cisgender art- audiences about the trans experience. So like the you know, there's a lot of stories about like transition and stuff like that, where for a trans person, transition is not the most interesting part of your life. The most interesting part of your life is like, you know, getting a job, falling in love and like all the things that everyone else has to deal with. Like that's, that's, you know, but you have to deal with them through the also being trans and how that can kind of modify things. Like that is the more interesting thing for me to read as a trans person about the trans experience. But so I see trans artists and stuff like winning awards and getting fame because they're targeting their art towards the 
cisgender audience and targeting what they're writing towards that. And sometimes, and I have to, on the one hand, I want to see them successful by whatever means possible, but I'm disappointed because I see um, other very talented trans artists that aren't playing that game that aren't getting that sort of notoriety. There's a lot of very talented uh, trans artists working in horror, for instance, and I see, and they're making just like really brilliant cutting edge stuff like um, Erica Price in um, the UK makes these really um, ter terrifying body horror comics. And they don't, but they don't get uh, as much attention because she's not making something that sort of can be marketed to, you know, an audience that wants something to support as opposed to something that that makes them think or that challenges them you yeah know? right it's the it's the things i worry about sometimes when it's like it's, it's i have the same feelings about uh, uh games and when they do like you know in a, in a few months there'll be like that big queer games bundle that'll get a lot of attention <laughs> and money but then i always worry that like how many people are going to then follow those people as artists uh creating art or did they just throw a bunch of money at a thing because it was Pride Month and they said queer on it? You know, it all. Well, it's interesting because like the like there's been, um, there's been a lot of tension in terms of like because obviously I told you I play um, um, fighting games and you know there was the big thing with um, Bridget and Guilty Gear yeah. and there's a lot of uh, the way Japanese. The Japanese presented Japanese people presented present trans people, especially in the eighties and nineties, with like especially like um kind of the femboy trap um archetype stuff. Um that was the stuff that I kind of grew up with. And you know, I you know, I personally I, I recognized where they were problematic, but yeah. I thought that they were much stronger representations than say Buffalo Bill and Sounds of the Lambs. You're right. And, and so for me, like these imperfect, I, I actually kind of feel a kind of uh, attachment and a kind of ownership over the, over these things that are not perfect and that they are kind of weird. And so to see those kind of rough edges sanded off so sort of a more normal audience can get behind it and say, we can like this because it's doing something correctly as opposed yeah. to yeah. like, I, 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 want, I like stuff. I, I don't mind if stuff isn't 100% correct. If it's, you know, if it can make me feel something, you know, and if it, and you know, I don't, and I, it's, I, I, I value more, um, I value more trash than I do, you know, something that you can put, put and promote in a special month or something like yes, that. Yes. No, I, yeah. I, I am a, I'm a huge fan of messy trash and like, you know, imperfect art well, that feels like something. Cause trash is honest. Like yeah. it comes trash, trash cinema, trash, uh, video games trash uh comics like it comes from usually comes from actual marginalized people right and it's the vision is imperfect because they don't have institutional backing and it, but it but they're able to create 
spaces and moments that you can't find in anywhere else. So even though the whole is flawed and even though maybe it's not a pristine Hollywood perfect thing, it has a moment or two in it that you can't find anywhere else. And it's unique in that way. And that's, that's what I value. I value those moments as opposed to uh sand it off. Perfect thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my problem uh, with, for example, uh, tell me why that kind of uh, representation, it, it looks like they're just, you know, following a checklist. Uh, everything must be correct. Uh, everything must be, you know, there is a, um, everything must be somehow sanitized. Uh, we don't accept the messiness at, the, at this point. We don't accept the mess. We don't accept the people to be messy. Um, we are actually losing something uh, this way. Um, and of course, we are losing all the most sincere presentation we could have. Yeah, because yeah, usually the messiness is not coming from, uh, like Sarah said, it's not coming from a corporate boardroom, you know. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, because, uh, I mean, the fact that, of, uh, of course, I'm happy to see, for example, m more uh, queer people uh, Having jobs in the creative industry, yeah, uh, and and being able to be you know be out as queer people in the creative industry and so on. Of course, that's good because I mean they're <laughs> earning more money, so it's good. Uh, that's my point of view. I, I'm very interested in that. who's uh, who's actually earning money, you know, you know, who's actually working behind the scene and so on. But at the same point, uh, we are really doing not accepting any of uh, that messiness and we can really see for example in all the um, if you remember all the controversy of the controversy about uh, the, the helicopter story yeah um and and that story it has been translated into italian too it's it, very recently we had an official italian localization of, of, of the story of that um, novella um and it's it, it was interesting because it was a very a, a very trans story i must say but it was messy it, it was not what you usually read about the trans ex experience it was not what you usually read about the gender performance how you express your gender what what gender identity means there were a lot of of ideas, of interesting idea, or ideas that people somehow are, are you not know, scared uh, to say uh, aloud. And it, it was kind of interesting to read it. I'm happy we had an Italian um, translation, official Italian translation of that story. But I mean, even the, the queer community didn't accept that kind of of content of that kind of uh, you know, representation of of the trans experience, and it was kind of sincere and maybe you know, no, yeah, it was, uh, uh, it, it was uh, how can I say, it, it, difficult. It was you uh, could it, it it hurt when you read it. But it was a sincere. It was true. Well, these was... these these modes of thought, they 
the sort of like looking for things to be upset about and, um, you know, gaining attention for being the person who finds the things to be the most upset about, like the people who get hurt the most from this are marginalized communities. Because the, the only people who, because in this instance, you know, is a trans um, author and, you know, their life was very harmed by the backlash to it. And it was a trans, you know, is a queer community ending up attacking what was ended up being a trans author. And um, the the only people who really pay for these modes of discourse are people who are small enough, which means marginalized people, um, you know, black, gay, women, uh, trans, queer, like these are the people who can actually be hurt by a quote unquote cancel culture. It's not, you know, the wealthy, you know, you can't cancel um, Harry Potter as much as people want to try. Um, like, those people are in power and they're already too big for that. So these moves of thought only serve to end up hurting our ability to, as marginalized communities, to create interesting and provocative content for ourselves. And so I think that I think, I mean, you're a critic as well. Um, it's one of the things I think about as a critic. I think there needs to be a movement away from making the focus how something is, say, problematic. And instead focus, instead, you should, you can admit that something has these problems, but you need to be able to not make that the entirety of the discourse, the entirety of the impression. Like you can, if you can say, like take like H.P. Lovecraft, for example, you can say that um, he was a racist and the work that he made was racist, but you can also say that it has these qualities, which are very influential on um, horror and culture and some very interesting ideas going on here. So you don't have to ignore one to talk about the other, and you don't need to erase that one exists in order to validate the other. We need to find a way for those two thoughts to sort of coexist without canceling each other out, because otherwise we're not going to be able to um, create a culture, and we're also not going to be able to maintain any sort of community, because we're just going to be constantly looking for ways that the most prominent people in the community have fallen astray and, you know, the ways to like bring them down a peg as opposed to ways to build up everybody and actually have meaningful movements that actually make art and the world itself a better place. Yeah. You're right. Cause uh, very few things that I think people are, uh, you know, fine when you, when you say they're like, when you're looking for things that are like are incorrect there's probably very little malice behind those works. And there's probably people who 99% agree with you, but, uh, but in these uh, kind of these imperfect ways that in are, are good for, and I mean, that, that I'd can, say, yeah. Sorry. I'd say even if there is malice, yeah. like, but terrible people can make really beautiful art. Yes. That's um, a whole other people need to, people need to wrap their mind around that and stop thinking that because somebody is a talented artist that you should worship them as a hero because right. <laughs> uh, these are, these things rarely have anything to do with one another. I, I remember I really liked the, uh, uh, the, what's it called? Uh, oh no, I forgot his name. That old kind of outsider artist who did the 
guy with the super fan of graphics put it out. Um, you'll, you'll have to narrow it down. I know, <laughs> I know. Got a lot of people he was like he that. was like kind of like an outsider artist, sort of doing comics. He made people like who were weird and super buff and Stardust the Super Wizard, I think. Anyway, I'm not sure. Give me a second. I'll Are you thinking of? You're not thinking of like R. Crumb, right? No, no, no. I'm thinking of Fletcher Hanks. Oh yeah, yeah. So, but like the their the, his like uh, his le- his enduring legacy that like that Fanographics published book is like it's the the intro is like yeah, this guy sucked. He was like a terrible father, um, <laughs> but he made really cool work that is weird and not like other stuff. And it's like people are uh, imperfect people. And, you know, at the same time, it's not like you need to, uh, everyone has to accept everything, but you have to, right. Like you said, you can't, good art does not mean good person. There's two things. I'd say, I'd say often, often artists are not good people. Right. Because they're, that's why they're creating art. Right. They're often like messy and very complicated. Uh, and they're trying to express ideas, which usually lends them to being kind of, maybe hard to deal with in their personal lives or are just like, uh, like, you know, end up being kind of tragic figures or other kinds of otherwise messy people, because you know what? Fucking, I love people, messy people. People are messy. Like we're all so incredibly, uh, imperfect. Um, and but that's not good for that's not good for online branding. <laughs> right, right. It's that's it. It all wraps back to that original problem. We all have to all have brands now. You know, that's why it's not like uh, every things come out about older artists because everyone was worse back then. It's more like everybody wasn't is as bad as they ever were, but are not under the same kind of uh, level of scrutiny. You know. Yeah, I mean, there'll be things from this era that um, we don't see as a problem that will be seen as late in later generations as right. How, how could they possibly think something so horrific? Right, right, and there could be something on here right now in this in this last hour, two hours of recording that someone would look back in ten years and be like, "I can't believe they were saying that." How yeah. uh, we will have our call out post, uh, <laughs> and we'll all be taken down, but. Uh, I guess the it's like it's with with that. I guess that's a good sign in some ways of progress. I guess it's a weird. Yeah, thing. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I accept that it, it can happen. I mean, fine. I I made things that are not online anymore, yeah. and I'm happy they are not online anymore. I'm mostly <laughs> scared about the fact that nowadays a lot of stuff uh, is is online and it's not going anywhere. So, for example, I I have not checked my old tweets enough, but right. I'm sure I I should delete delete some of my old tweets because I mean uh, uh, I come from a pre gamer gate gamer culture. <laughs> I have no idea what what I, I wrote uh, yeah. in you know, in the early tens. Uh, I I I, I kind of scared, but I mean. Uh, I'm not even saying that uh, it should be accepted. I'm saying that uh, somehow um, the problem is that uh, uh, we kind of um, leave all these uh, evidences, all the traces of our of our past, uh, and 
now what maybe people has changed during those years uh, and nowadays you can check uh, how, how people were stupid uh, 20 years ago yeah uh, yes they were stupid maybe maybe they were you know I don't know 20 year old right right it's it's one of those weird things of growing up on the cusp of the internet it's like imagine is thinking about all the dumb stuff you said as a teen yeah yeah it was all online then yeah i mean it would be terrible i was when i was in high school i was obsessed completely obsessed with uh, decadentism and french poetry and i was like i mean uh, my my model of behavior was like Baudelaire. I mean, <laughs> uh, I'm very happy. I basically had no internet at that time because you don't. I, I have no idea what a Baudelaire obsessed sixteen year old Matteo could write online. I, I I was very lucky because um, I happened to write all that all that terrible um teen poetry in prose on a zanga account i don't know if anyone remembers zanga no <laughs> uh, and exactly so fortunately um that company went under and uh all that stuff got deleted so even if i wanted to find that <laughs> stuff now it doesn't exist yes, but right. like as a, as someone who grew up wanting to be a writer like like you as well you you kind of you're drawn to very extreme uh influences and you want to try things out as a writer and uh you know find your own footing and so you know thank god that stuff uh is not available for people to see yeah this, like, I, I, and like you know it's easy to forget i i mean this doesn't apply to all people but i'm like uh i i i see myself as oh, the, the person i was uh two years ago is not the same person i am now the same person i was seven years ago is certainly not the same person i was two years ago it's yeah like, yeah I, yeah, it's true. I, I'm, I'm intensely um, changeable. You know, I'm very fluid in how I'm yeah. looking at myself and be like, oh, that was a, 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 a poor decision, or that was something I changed, or just people kind of gradually. Could you imagine being the same person forever? <laughs> it seems exhausting. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think it's always important to constantly interrogate the things that you think and try and wonder yeah. why you think them. I think that's because um, you know. As you start to get older, I've noticed that um, it's easier and easier. Your brain becomes lazier and lazier because it's seen so many of the same things. Right. And so it's easy to, easier and easier to fall into ideas that you've held for a longer period of time. So I'm constantly, even if it, even if there's not like a reason to, I constantly try and like ask myself, where did this idea come from? Why do I think it? And I just, I think the best guiding line is just trying to not have a point of view that is harming, that's going to harm other people. You want to try, just try and find a way to be that is, you know, does as little damage as possible. Uh, Leave, yeah, perfect. Just leave truly no trace. Uh, uh, (laughs) um, But speaking of, uh, uh no transition that i have here that's good enough we've been going for like a good two hours more or less so yeah, it's been I, nice talking to you guys yes yes i yeah i, yeah. I, I had the, the beautiful thing happen in the group segment where i could just sit back and relax and not say a thing <laughs> which is 
which is kind of like, because uh, uh, part of this is me like, this show is the ideal version of the show is like a post-con hangout, you know, everyone's packed up for the day and they're just kind of like hanging out. Uh, and this is what this show is, except it puts people who are like in the middle of the U.S. and Italy together, you know, who are not <laughs> usually going to meet up at a convention or anything. Yeah, Italy is one of the places that I mean, I have some friends, artists, friends or acquaintances and stuff that I know there, but um, I don't have a lot of discussions with them. So it's interesting to actually get to um, kind of hear about what's going on there, because I've been kind of tangentially aware of some of the highlights of the political things that have been happening. But other than that, my Italian uh, culture is like. 70s 80s italian comics and, and cinema perfect and, and it turns, out, <laughs> turns out giallo is not all of what italy is the ghetto creepax and milo manara and uh, yeah. oh my god i have that crew uh as an people like that yeah we have a big comics convention here come here oh uh, what's it i think i probably know it i'm just you know my yeah, brain look, isn't working at luca luca comics and games yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i've heard of that it's the, yeah, it's the second biggest comics convention in the world, world as far as uh, you know, tickets are concerned. So, number well, Euro- European comic conventions um, are, especially the ones on the continent that, themselves, um, I've heard are a really different and kind of really nice atmosphere. I've heard like because um, I have a lot of friends in Spain uh, that make comics and do the. Um, convention like in Barcelona and stuff and um, the vibe is a lot more um, it's like you, you you like eat a lot of good food drink wine you meet other artists it's very it's, it's <laughs> yeah. less it's uh, we have a some degree of that to the U.S. but I've heard that it's much more um, uh, communal and much more um, of a really really good experience so I need right. to go to that and like like Angoulême, the one in France, I need to go do at some point, and and their um, books are so much bigger over there. They well, they treat comics seriously and yeah. have for a while. Uh, the, the, it's so actually large. a respected, it's I actually lo- a respected art form. Yeah, I love when I get like a, a a lot of them. A lot of cases will be like an Italian or a French book, and they they're huge. They're so physically large. <laughs> I... Well, the the French the French and Japanese markets are the two largest comic markets. Like, yeah. it's not even comparable. Yeah. Like, the U.S. for as much as people like to think that it's important, it's such a small fraction of what the Japanese and the French do right. for comics. Yeah. Italian comics sells sell well, I'd say, but our market is kind of small. I mean, we have a couple of comics that sell. 100,000 copies a month, every month. Uh, and then we don't have much else, I must say. Well, it's a language thing, right? Because it has to be translated into either French or English or something to really kind of reach out of outside of it, right? So, yeah, it, it depends. For example, we have a big market in Eastern Europe, actually. Mm-hmm. Italian comics sell, sell quite well in Eastern Europe. And then we actually, um, uh, a lot of Disney comics are actually yeah. made in Italy. 
So we have a big production of uh, Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck comics because we have a weekly Disney magazine focused on uh, Donald Duck, Mickey Mouse, these kinds of classical characters. All their stories are uh, made in Italy. We have our own Disney characters, for example, uh, interacting with Donald Duck and so on. And then uh, these stories are translated uh, and distributed uh, in uh, all Europe. So we kind of have this kind of uh, Disney production that's very important. If you have never read uh, PK, uh, we have Donald Duck has a secret identity in Italy, <laughs> as a superhero. Is uh, called Paperinik because we use, we have um, a classical Italian comics that's called the Diabolik. That's uh, yeah. a, a narrow comics about a, a serial killer, uh, thief, and so on. Uh, so they made this parody that's Paperinik, but then the parody shifted into a superhero parody. And then they made uh, the sci-fi series about uh, uh, PK, Paperinik, that's called uh, PK, just, uh, you know, the two letters. Uh, you, prob- you can probably find a good article about it on Rock Paper Shotgun, written by uh, um, Italian uh, critic and now game dev Giada uh, Zavarise. Uh, about uh, this story, and we have this uh, awesome series about uh, Donald Duck being a superhero fighting against uh, aliens uh, w- together with an artificial intelligence and so on. And it's awesome. I mean, believe me, you have, you you can't believe your eyes when you read that comic. So what Italian people did with Donald Duck because it's you are going to I'm cry. googling. Yes, I googled um, PK, and I'm looking at some of the covers. Yeah, as someone it's who pretty crazy. who would who would post uh, the Donald the Donald Duck family tree in our my private Discord with friends about once a week. Um, <laughs> I am I am looking at uh, I'm looking up all this because what a wild life he has of just like this idea, just like comics, this broad idea of comics Donald. This is like a whole new wrinkle to him. And I already knew he had a wild life, but now it's just like this, this whole duck comic universe, the whole duckiverse of yeah. Donald. Uh, I mean, so we, yeah, we don't have such a big um, market, but we have a couple of comics that are actually, sells. Oh, yeah, yes. that's actually very, very good, uh, very important. They sell quite well uh, and so on but uh, for example many italian comics artists work for they receive something around uh, 800 1000 euros so dollars let's say when they deliver them their comics and then they receive something like 100 euros uh, a year as royalties for uh, I mean I'm talking about the graphic novels right. here. So working with graphic novels and so on, it's kind of a vanity project, <laughs> a prestige project uh, here. But it's not actually uh, something uh, you can do as your 
main job so you maybe you you teach uh, you do commissions uh, and so on uh, but it, it, it's difficult um, wages are way lower again <laughs> market is smaller wages are lower yeah this is okay so i'm going to speaking of comics before we get too wrapped up in i see now this is newcomers to the show know that or old old hats to indie apocalypse radio and this is a crucial part of indie apocalypse radio which is i tried to end the show and then we're like "Uh uh-oh we talked for another 40 minutes um but this time i'm going to succeed so speaking of comics uh uh mateo sarah thank you both for being here uh sarah where can people find your work um pretty much mercurial blonde on any sort of internet thing but i have a website that's mercurialblondes.squarespace.com which has links to all of the social medias my digital and print stores and yeah. all that kind of stuff perfect perfect yes and yeah i highly encourage people hey get your own website i am a recent uh oh wait we have a late breaking question um I'm going to, we'll get to this in a second, but yes, yes, I'm going to put the, I'm going to, sorry, I accidentally closed my, my thing, uh, my, whatchamacallit, my question form, which I have people's links on so I can paste them in. Um, I had to go reopen that and realize that we had a late breaking question, but yes, yes. Uh, I, similarly, I just, oh, you have the one. I had just bought a black paper cat girls the other week or so. Uh, nice, nice. As Thank a, you. <laughs> as, a, as a big fan of indie comics, as someone who goes to an indie comic show and buys way too many comics, I go. And then I also realized, just in my kind of like absent-minded uh, uh, googling, that there was like I'm like why? She was like there's something ultra familiar about your name, but I couldn't remember, and that was because you had a podcast like six years ago or something that I think I listened to. Oh, yeah. Uh, Trash Twins. Yes, yes. I think that is the thing. I was like, I should watch Belladonna of Sadness. <laughs> uh, uh, and that was got me into that. Uh, that so, was a true love letter to my love of all things trash. Yes. I, 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 I'm I, going to, I'm saying that very quickly. I'm going to try to move on because I also, uh, so we don't get caught up in a conversation of uh, love of true trash and how trash enriches your life, you know? But uh, Matteo, we have a quick question here from Karen or Karine. Uh, your writing places a heavy emphasis on context and history in a way I don't often see in games writing. What fascinates, what fascinates you the most about the history of the medium? Uh, I'd say the, it's kind of it, its heritage what uh, about his history it's still inside the medium itself uh, so for example it's military military heritage uh, and so on so all this stuff i i, I quite believe that stuff uh, quite haunt uh, places uh, and mediums uh, and media no so the video game medium st- is still haunted by everything that they it, it used to be in the past so uh, I kind of believe uh, uh, its history is what make uh, what made video game and what is still making a video game uh, what they are. 
does it make sense? Perfect. Uh, uh, and and where can people find this kind of work? So, uh, is there? Do you have a good? So, hub? on Twitter, I have a very gendered handle. I still have a very gendered handle. Is it, it's in your M? It sounds like Mr. M. Um, even if I go uh, with they uh, them, um, and then in in Italy on Artubun and in Manifesto, uh, and I'd say Google Translator works quite well. Yes. Um, in uh, UK and US, uh, I'm working on something for Eurogamer, so uh, at some point it will be out. Uh, um, still a lot of stuff of mine on Fanbyte, I'm still quite proud of it. And there's a, a good article, a, a very funny article about a video game uh, uh, on Jesus Christ uh, on the English edition of Vice. And I recommend it because uh, if you wanted to read something about a, a Jesus Christ simulator, you can go there. I saw that article when I was looking at your <laughs> Yeah, it's me. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sorry. And um, I'm very proud of the article I wrote for Deep Hell. That's a, a website, an outlet in the outlet I really love. It's against the world's Ness. Yes. It's a. Uh, an article, the article against the wall. So I'm very proud of it because it's the most political article I was, uh, you know, allowed to write uh, in English. I'm very happy. Yeah, Deep Hell is a uh, good friend of Indie Apocalypse. I'm a big fan of Deep Hell and this general kind of, uh, you know, writing where people can just kind of write whatever they want to write. Still, you know, it's just, it feels uh, like the kind of outlet that there should be more of in games, you know? Yeah, I agree. Uh, big fan generally of deep hell and this kind of gonzo or gonzo adjacent approach to, to games coverage. But, uh, yes. Uh, and I'll say, um, indiepocalypse.com, uh, it's where you get indiepocalypse. You can actually buy it on that site. Now I finally, went through the effort of updating all of them so that you can actually purchase all 41 issues of Indie Apocalypse from the damn website. Um, you don't have to go through any other uh, itch or anything. It's, uh, you know, just, you know, you can go through itch too. It's convenient, but it's uh, nice to have um, something sellable through your website in case. I, sh I should do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's enough like different services that you just kind of find. You just kind of Google all of them and go, ah, I don't care. And you just pick one of them. It's all payment processors all the way down. You just find the one that. Plugs Every time I have to wait on a itch payout, I think about think I should be looking at other options. Yes, I I have I told I might have told the cover artist uh, just a couple of days ago where I was like, I will get you that first. Can you? Can you wait for the half up front for a couple of days? I have an itch payout that's 13 days pending. <laughs> so I should be getting it any moment now. But yeah, as, as you know, it was, you know, compared to Patreon, which gives me money two days afterwards, you know, or like the day after. I'm like, yeah. 
boy, I wish you had that money fast. Speaking of Patreon, you can sign up for the IndiePocalypse Patreon, IndiePocalypse.com slash Patreon. Uh, it's for $5 a month. You can just get just commission games. If you're like, uh, if you're a bargain hungry gamer and you're like, I just want the new stuff. Uh, that's the way to do it on for like 50 bucks a year, 12 games from this like exciting, innovative, uh, people working in like the Indies, the indie space. You'd be a fool not to buy it. What a deal. I know. It's like, uh, I love it. Uh, it's a, it's a true, true delight for like, in terms of both, uh, uh, Usually, I would say you can buy such and such issues, and the people here will get on the show will get paid. But that's not true in this case. Uh, you could buy a ten thousand issues of Indie Pogs, and no one here will get uh, any more money, except for me, I guess. But uh, <laughs> Matteo and I have been talking about unionizing behind the scenes. So no. yeah, that's, <laughs> that's that's why that's why I tell cover artists I'll pay them whatever money they want because they don't get royalties on the back end. So I'm like, I'll give you whatever you want. And, and sometimes I'll be like, I want $1,000. I'm going, that's too much. Never mind. <laughs> I can't afford that. Uh, but so I'll, I'll recommend both uh, uh, European and comic adjacent. Have you, you should check out that uh, that Indiepocalypse uh, Koosh collaborative com- uh, issue that I put out uh, like two years ago at this point where different game developers collaborated, where I paired up with Kush Comics to put out uh, four new games from pairing up game developers and comic artists, plenty of which were like, oh, I don't know what video games are. I don't play them at all. And I was like, perfect. What, that is- <laughs> there is actually the a, lot of, a lot of crossover, though. Yeah, like, yeah. I do know a lot of comics artists who are into video, indie video games and making stuff along that lines. Yes, there is uh, uh, I'll, I'll, that half sentence as well, and that until after the show is un- not being recorded anymore. Um, but that said, uh, you know, go check out uh, Mateo's writing, buy Sarah's work. Uh, all these cover artists are, they're not even like unofficial. They are clear endorsements to being like, you should pay these people to make art for you uh, and also don't tell them what to do. Um, uh, like this is like, you know, cover artists are, are, are as equal an endorsement of a person's craft as, uh, being included as a game within indie apocalypses. So it's like, uh, I just love art an awful lot. Um, and while, while I'm in a situation where I have a little bit of extra, uh, cash to kick around, um, through, through, through basically, uh, the secret indie apocalypse is I spent a decade paying off debt. Um, uh, that's the secret sauce. Uh, but uh, if you do that, and you can, then you too can be a mildly unsuccessful game publisher. Uh, that all said, uh, thank you for being on the show, uh, the two of you. Uh, I love doing this show and glad to have you on it. Uh, Thanks for having me. Thank you. Uh, And then I will pull up Fubar for our final outro. Uh, Goodbye, everyone.